episode on Welcome to the Big Story podcast. I'm Alex Morrissey, and I've got Alec Andrew C. Robinson today. I'm like, that's not my name. Um, hey, Andrew, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, like, I, I was, was super psyched that you were at Heroes. That was exciting. Like, I've, I've always, like, it's weird, like, so, like, for me, like, I don't know, but I can't mark the time when you came on the radar for me. Like, and I just remember seeing your artwork at one point going, who is this MFR and where did they come from? It was like one of those kind of weird moments of like, cause you know, like when you're like, you know, when you see like people in the business and you're just like, oh my God, what is this? How does this person play right. Houdini magic? You know? And uh, it was like, you know, like, you know, Dave Johnson, when you first kind of stumble onto what he's up to and you're like, oh my, you know, it was that kind of stuff or you know, Adam, you know, Hughes, you're just like, all right, some wizard action going on there. But um, I was pretty psyched. And then I'm the first time I think you and I met was at New York Comic Con right after uh, the Fifth Beetle came out. And uh, so, and I, I was, <laughs> I'm such a dork because like I have this career in graphic design. So all I was doing was asking you printing questions. <laughs> and I, was, uh. and I was like, how did you get this? quality of printing done and you know you're like i you're like i don't know like it was because you were pretty surprised how like amazing it was for the price yeah. point. And, well uh, I, I was doing my best to watch the the black levels yeah and to make sure because sometimes you know when you're on the monitor because I, I i was painting by hand then scanning them in and correcting things in photoshop mm. And I kind of had a guideline. I can't remember what it was exactly from Dark Horse about what the right levels for CMYK. Yeah. And they're just like, don't let the black levels go over this, you know, percentage. Yeah. And I try to do that the best I could. But meanwhile, like when you get into it and and you're building up values, especially the values that I didn't quite get in the the original art. Mm -hmm. Then in Photoshop, I'm adding, adding some gradients and, and stuff like that to maybe push silhouettes, push shadows, and you're like more and more and more. And he's get you know, richer, darker. But then I look at the levels like, oh, my God, I've already. Yeah. So I realized like, okay, it's probably what they're saying is that it's deceiving, obviously, on the monitor. Mm -hmm. And if you go as heavy as you think you need to, it's going to just black everything out. Yep. When they actually go to print and so yeah luckily luckily i was like okay just fight it fight it fight it hold back and it seemed to to work out in the end yeah the the tr so two two things one i wonder if those are still the same i mean i wonder if matt hollingsworth had developed those those guidelines because he was pretty much their color guru for a long time and he's like really like great at like you know paying attention to all those sort of like pre-production aspects right um and the and the other thing is is that i remember like for i mean i've done a ton of print work and it was always the goal is like to try to like get that deliverable sort of like master you know sort of print you know your proof print to be kind of in the neutral zone so when you're on press you can kind of go heavy or go light you know as per what's needed to get the uh the, the, the desired effect because mm -hmm. that man once those blacks creep in man like that whole gradient just becomes this kind of mud wall that just yeah. puts it in and it's it, it's real ugly yeah um so 
I, okay, let's let's be let's 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 kind of do the rundown. Like so, and I'm and and you know may, you may have said this before, but like where did you grow up, um, and like what was your intro to like the visual arts? I grew up on a farm in San Augustine, Florida. Okay, um, and just always had a love for you know fantasy art, comic book art, and I just seemed to entertain myself a lot as a kid, just drawing. Okay. And then it, in school, you know, as you start taking notes for class, I was like always drawing all of my notes. <laughs> yeah. And I was very, I was very fortunate when I got to um, my high school, which was a junior senior high school, had a great art teacher, Kathy Skaggs. And she just really, she could tell if you had some talent, you know, wh whether yeah. you were no talent or some talent, you knew how to at least she would take you up to the next level, wherever you had started, you know, that's amazing. And, and she was very, um, supportive and, but also just knowledgeable about different artists. You know, she wouldn't let us just study comic book art, you know, in fantasy right. art. it's like, you gotta look at, uh, Kathy Colwitz and, um, you know, Andy Warhol, mm -hmm. uh, um, um, Leonardo da Vinci, you know, it was yeah. just a lot of different art and styles. And when I got to be a senior in high school, you know, she just came to me as if she was like my guidance counselor. And she asked like, you know, would you like to do this for a living, like for mm -hmm. a career? And, you know, sometimes you just don't believe it doesn't feel like that's an option. Right, sure. well, I mean, everybody's by and large, most people are pretty practical. You know, they're like, well, I guess I'll go get a, job as i mean even fantasy of like like male becoming an architect you know like that's right. you know that's a kind of a fantasy level thing because you're like that seems like really high level you know skill sets that need to be you know employed for that but um yeah like it's like hey hey you want to be a movie star you know like that's kind of like what right. she's up to you and asking and i was like yes you know i i would like to do this I, yeah. but to hear it from a mentor an adult that you admire did you sometimes, know? Sometimes that's all we need as kids. Like, okay, yeah. wow. You know, I, I'm trusting you for, I've, I've known you for almost six years now, yeah. which is a long time when you're a child or a teenager. And, you know, I just took it as like, okay. And she's like, all right, here's what we have to do. Like, we're going to start applying for scholarships. And she's like, we're going to get this portfolio together. And, and uh, I'll, I'll be working on a piece. And she would just say, take it further, take it further, you know, wow. push, push the contrast. And it's all of it was just like basic, um, sensible, um, recommendations. Art. She was giving you, know? you art direction. Like she was just kind of like giving you that basic art direction that you need. To, right. Right. Not, she wasn't telling you what, like how to do it. She was just saying, yeah. Hey, think about this and pay attention mm -hmm. to that. Did you like, so do you know if she was doing this with other, like, uh, uh, you know, other peers of yours at the time? Uh, she did. Okay. Yeah. So um, you were kind of aware of that. And did you have like an idea of like, well, like, I like, did you have an idea of like how you sort of fit in with that, that sort of the framework of the, of the art, art kids, you know, because like that eventually is a thing in school. And well, I'll, I'll say this, that, you know, uh, for students, um, there was an artist, uh, George Brewer, who was maybe two or three years ahead of me. Mm -hmm. um, 
he worked at DC Comics for a while, uh, working as a graphic designer. Um, and I think I think he went to. Uh, I could be wrong. I think he went to Pratt. He went to art school somewhere in New York. Okay. Yeah. And and Kathy Skaggs would also have him come back, and he was gracious enough to come back and talk to us and tell us what you know art school was like for him in New York, and the projects he was working on. And I mean, he was just like blowing me away at the time. How bad? And I was just thinking, like, you know, I'll never be that good. You yeah. Know? And uh, um, and then there was uh, my, my friend Greta Genty, who he also got a scholarship because of Kathy Skaggs, and we both, you know, went to the Savannah College of Art and Design at the same time. Oh, right on. Like '88, '89. Yeah. Uh, uh, another friend of ours, Mac Myers, um, went on to do some comics, and he also does like puppetry and music. And um, that's it, so like it's so interesting because like I I so I had a, a a couple couple friends in college who I'm still friends with today, and they they had an art, an art teacher who was really really like good with them, like really pushed them and and got them, and both of them ended up going uh, to uh, SVA in New York city. And one of them got a full scholarship to the school and my art teacher from school, three of us, three, yeah, three of us were ended up in SVA and we didn't like, we didn't know that we were all applying and going to the school. And then like another one ended up a year after us ended up at um, Cooper union, which is like the fancy art school in the city. So, um, it's kind of invaluable having that that you know that teacher mentor who is a, kind of aware of what you your capabilities might be. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's it's amazing. Like that. Just you know, you go through your life, and you look back and you see like there's just special people that are dropped into your life here and there, and they totally change the trajectory. You know, of where you're where you're headed. Yeah. What like so? What what were the things that like were kind of like? I mean, you said fantasy art and comic book art. I mean, did you have any sort of like were there these epiphany moments like with with specific artists? And they don't have to be just just that realm. That, I mean, you could be like, hey man, I was like a huge Waterhouse painter, you know, fan of Waterhouse paintings or whatever, you know. Right. Um, but like, were there, like who are the people who kind of like really kind of like, you know, you said that like leveled up, but leveled up your your own sort of mind. Well to go back to like as a child um i used to love like just to go to the record store with my older brother but i wasn't really per se the music at the time i was like maybe nine or ten mm. but i remember just like going through and look at the album art and say you know like you'd see like the molly hatchet album <laughs> with yeah. Rosetta, that that berserker painting totally yeah and i would just like study and and stare at it and i, and I, I wasn't even aware that it was the artist was frank Rosetta yeah i like i was just immersed in the imagery like it was like it wasn't painted like this actually happened you know yeah totally and I was just sucked into the world and it just was blowing me away and yeah like those kiss then, those kiss covers uh yeah and then there's also uh, uh boris vallejo mm -hmm. you know i think he'd done some covers for ozzy osbourne right um and so i was looking at art like that and and but I, I guess my progression was that as a kid, I loved both like 
Frank Rosetta and Boris Vallejo. Yeah. And as a kid, it seemed like very, very similar, you know, the art styles. And, and in a way they are. But then as you mature and you get older, you know, I kind of like um, veered away from Boris Vallejo. You know, okay. I, I still like and appreciate what he does. It just, it gets a little too heavy handed with the rendering. Yeah. yeah. And and the, uh, the the photo ref for the models. Which I, I which I do find necessary, but then I you know I know that Frank Rosetta also took some photo ref, but it seemed like he went in there more as like an expressionist painter, yeah. and he did way less of the rendering and a lot more of just you could still see the underpainting in mm -hmm. parts of it, which to this day I just like the the energy and the um I don't know just the kinetic flow to what he was doing just still blows me away well it's like it's like that thing that we all kind of struggle with like and i say we i mean you i'll say i used to struggle with i i don't i don't draw enough to to consider myself you know an artist anymore but it's like this thing with um you know when you do the sketch and you're just like yes that's it there it is like that's the form this is it it's got all the energy and then like you take that and then you work it to death and like kill that sort of spark you know you may like have this proficiently executed piece but some of that magic kind of disappears and like Frazetta seems to like really keep it um i went to they had a um a wyeth exhibit here in in their museum uh, earlier this year so we went to that and so it had nc wyeth andrew wyeth and jamie wyeth's paintings oh and the daughter sorry i don't remember her name um and you look at NC Wyeth's paintings, man, it, like you can just see what you're talking about. You can see the underwork and it, it's this beautiful, you know, sort of mastery of light and form to create mm -hmm. this sort of illusion of, you know, depth and dyna dynamism. Um, yeah. And for Zeta, man, that guy, that guy was like really the best. Right. And it seems I, I could be wrong here, but it seems like he also wanted to have a little more time to just go live. You know, like whether whether it's a, whether it's to play play golf, sure. be with the family. I don't yeah. know, ride three wheelers. Yeah, when you have three wheelers, um, play he baseball. Lived, yeah, he lived. I mean, to me, he lived a, like Frank Frazetta lived a very modern sort of interpretation of N.C. Wyeth's life. You know, like where he had this very colorful, beautiful family. You know, and doing these paintings and you know creating these worlds, but sort of had this very sort of like different life outs or at least a colorful life outside of the uh the canvas um little side note to boris vallejo his son went to sva when we were uh we went to school there so my close friend was really good buddies with him and so he would go to boris's house and go to the studio and he had like one of those 10 by 10 or 12 by 12 polaroid cameras like that he would shoot his reference on like uh -huh. they would they would just like you know he, so he would mess around in boris's studio and they when he wasn't around uh, crazy um so okay so you so vallejo kind of like locked into your brain of the of what he was doing like yeah i mean and i still i still do appreciate it yeah and but i keep that in mind like when i when i have photo reference that i use and it's like i realize don't get too locked into every little thing that's in the photo reference because some of those things, though they're realistic, they don't quite work 
in your fantasy world that you're yeah. trying to create, you know, and you got to learn as an artist where to, to leave that and deviate and add, add more, take away, you mm -hmm. know, make things more extreme, um, more interesting, uh, more animated. Yeah. 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 That, I mean, that's an, it's an interesting thing. One thing I remember, like one of those early sort of like, you know, awareness things was the fact that like you would look at the artists that you really loved you know and certainly go looking at animation or comic books and how you go oh they've they've divined like their own sort of calligraphic shapes for things so eyes had shapes and marks that they utilized to and noses and mouths and fingers like everything had like it wasn't i'm trying to draw this exactly like this you 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 would figure out how to like you know like you do like often you'll do what i you know what i will call like sort of stair step fingers you know where you're taking the knuckle dropping it down to the next you know se section of the what well, the metacarpal and then to the next one right. it's, just, it's this really great thing because you're stylizing it and it tells you the information but you're like okay this is the this is the methodology i'm going to employ now like when people look at that they look okay that's that's the hand that's doing this but it's andrew's hand it's not right. a hand um did you ever like did you kind of like were you looking at people like, and I'm not talking hand specifically, but were you making aware, like sort of self-awarenesses like to that yourself? Or were you looking at people going, oh, that's how like, you know, Mobius does something. And I love that he's like figured out something and now I got to figure it out. Right. Um, kind of. I mean, I, I was when my first, uh, my, my first comic, professional comics, uh, job was um i was a senior in college and i'd gone to gaijin studios with a friend of mine okay and just to check out how like the you know the real pros were doing it and you know got to see got to see brian Stelfreeze and what he was doing like yeah. a cool painting and um all the uh, techniques that that he was applying and yeah. then use and um Dave Johnson, Cully Hamner, um, and I, I left uh, black and white copies of just some of my illustrations that I've been doing for the local paper in Savannah. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, as it turned out, uh, Cully Hamner was going to do a uh, Dark Horse Presents short story, but then he had to drop out because he got the regular gig, I believe, on Green, Green Lantern. Lantern. Well, wait, which one was it? Green Lantern Corps. Yeah, the mosaic thing, I think. Yeah. 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 Uh, so he sent my uh, samples over to Randy Stradley. Yeah. And <laughs> thus, like, okay, hey, here's your shot. You know, illustrate this uh, short story uh, called The Chairman. Um, but yeah, at the time, like I studied illustration and then at the end of my college career, you know, took a couple electives, which were at the time they didn't have a sequential art program and right. I wasn't really trying to be a sequential artist. It just so happens to be that once I took those classes, things just started happening, you know? Okay. And, and, uh, but I really hadn't didn't have a set style, but I kind of liked what the Europeans were doing, especially Mobius. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, a lot of 
the sort of stylized hatching that he would do and a little bit of cross hatching, but mainly just hatching. And, um, and so I just, Hey, just going for it, you know? Yeah. And so it, yeah, if you look at my earliest stuff, it does look a lot like, like Mobius. That's not bad. You know, I mean, if you're yeah. going to crib, crib from, crib from him. Right. Right. Yeah. But, but I guess I skipped, I skipped over a part where, you know, when I was at college, uh, my major was, illustration okay so you know i was going into classes and your illustration teacher would usually start the class with okay students um here's some stuff that i don't want to see okay i don't <laughs> want to see skulls uh i don't want to see girls um in chains yeah uh, i don't want to see daggers through hearts you know he kind of went like went through all these like cliches and it makes sense like yeah i, I get it yeah i, I get it you're, you're trying to have us you know get out of our little toy box of imagery that we loved yeah. you know in in high school if we were into comics and fantasy stuff maybe leave some of that behind get add a little bit of maturity you know to your illustrations right. um or if you're gonna do if you're gonna do a skull, just make the skull a little more artsy, you know. Right, because skulls and dagger quarterly is you know they're they're, they're booked up with their uh, with all their illustrators. Right, right. <laughs> By the uh, way, you and I should start that magazine, skulls and daggers quarterly. Yeah, and we could get all the illustrators because everyone's got their 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 version. So but okay, I mean, still, so, but that yeah, makes but sense. Still, sorry. No, that makes sense. So like, so the like get out of your comfort zone, like, and did like. Did that like help you? Did you like think differently? Yeah, it, it did help me. And yeah. and also uh, just the painting classes, mainly mainly figure painting. I learned so much right in, in those classes. Uh, and so then I felt like I had all this information and plus all the art history, which mm -hmm. at times was a bore. But later on in life, you're like, man, I'm so glad, you know, we had to totally. study, especially uh, the beginnings of um, modern art. Yeah, there's a lot to be learned there. You know, I guess going from say Van Gogh to you know uh, Pollock. You know, yeah. what I mean that that area between those guys. A lot happened. Yeah, a lot to see in a really short period of time. A yeah. lot happens. You know, we go from the we go from the mid to late 1800s of the romantic you know romantic period. And, you know, next thing you know, like expressionism kind of makes its 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 way into the thing. And and it just or should it maybe impressionism comes into the play and it just totally flips apart in, in the most beautiful of ways. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, it, and just and for me to see, you know, artists like Gustav Klimt and sure. Egon Schiel, that was yeah. really cool, too, because. They kind of had a cartooniness in some parts, you know. Oh, it's like a real, it was a realistic figure, but done, I guess. Uh, it's hard to explain. I guess it's like it's like Adam Hughes, where the stuff is very realistic, but it's more it's more naturalistic. Yeah, and it, and you you're making decisions on what details and lines to leave in and to leave out. Mm -hmm. And then with Klimt, it's like you'd have realistic figure but then it's it's bordered by just the ambiguous and interesting motifs and designs and patterns yeah. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it's like, you know, because like, I mean, you had that era, you know, of that late 1800s, like, you know, with, um, you know, Alphonse Mucha um, and like the, you know, the, the, all the, the, all those sort of naturalists, you know, the, this, the sergeants, these people who were like mixing this realistic at the border of illustration and, you know, portraiture and and doing public commissions like they were really kind of playing in all these different arenas um and it it afforded them some kind of and as as that time the sort of the printing techniques were improving so they were getting to kind of play with new toys um and so they kind of let up laid laid kind of a groundwork in that you know at the early start of the 20 uh 20th century that really kind of you know gave all these kind of lego to all those subsequent artists who were able to kind of, you know, Toulouse, Lautrec, you know, kind of going, you know, looking at what Sheila did and go, okay, that's really cool. Let me let me paint like that. Um, yeah, it's it's a very it's a very cool period. Yeah, so I mean that art history, super important. Like it really, yeah. it's this, you know, it's like that, you know. It, <laughs> it's like you don't realize it but you're like neo and they downloaded kung fu in your head and you didn't realize it and then later on you're like oh wait a minute i know what to do yeah. here yeah it's kind of cool um so so i mean that's cool so the 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 boys of gaijin did you a solid big time um yeah they did i mean not it wasn't just a a um you know they opened a big door for me yeah it was also just all the instruction like they they were so cool and gracious like you know i'm just some kid from the art school over in savannah yeah. you know right. and uh luckily i mean i was traveling or good friends with a uh classmate and he'd already met them uh doug alexander gregory and so he was kind of like my student friend but also mentor in college okay because before he graduated, he was already working. Uh, was working. I think he did like some Hellblazer okay. Um, okay. stuff, uh, and he was also simultaneously getting, uh, I guess, quasi fantasy art, role playing game art uh, with White Wolf, which was there in Atlanta, also. Right. So he also, yeah, yeah. yeah so he, he also took me to the White Wolf Studios um there in atlanta so we kind of hit gaijin studios went to white wolf and i actually got job with jobs with both through both uh interactions huh. uh yeah so the beginning of like the middle i don't know early 90s like 92 93 i start working and i just sort of ping pong back between a little bit of comics like a short story here then do some illustrations for like a werewolf book or a vampire book at, at White Wolf. Yeah. And then White Wolf would lead to other fantasy companies and eventually lead me to um, Wizard of the Coast and doing magic cards. Sure. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's been a pretty big thing. That whole, <laughs> that whole cards thing, man, that was a, right. an empire built on uh, small little squares. It, yeah. Amazing. Um, so how did like what was your impression like so like for me like i i was pretty myopic about it like i was like you know draw comic books that was all i wanted to do um but like what was your impression like when you first like were ha handed an assignment and like 
you're staring at the blank page was this like okay right uh well i think with the chairman which was the first short story i did i was just a, a little you know all of the place i mean mm -hmm. i would say kind of hit or miss but my strength was even at the time my figure drawing was pretty good i wouldn't say excellent but i'd say it was pretty good so it was that was definitely enough i could draw some pretty figures here and there and maybe get you through the awkwardness of some of the panel layouts you know or or um the angles the close-up maybe i should have done a close-up here or a mid shot and i didn't and maybe the there's too much negative space um and then when i got in between that one and like the next short story you know i'd always liked uh um michael golden's work especially mm -hmm. on the nom oh yeah and i just i just had my issues and i started studying it, it again mm -hmm. and realizing wow he michael golden was picking maybe there's like at tops maybe four or five different page layouts and that's it right. Yeah, and that's the same. And they just get repeated over and over. It could be the full page. Uh, it could be um, the like three to four uh, horizontal panels. Yep. It's the the six squares. Yep. Which and is deviate, and deviations of the, and then deviations of the six squares where maybe it's two squares. Yep. It's a it's a horizontal then two squares. Yeah, or two two horizontals and the two squares in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. So when I got the the second short story with Dark Horse, um, a breath of fresh air. I had this epiphany. I was like, okay, it's not you don't have to go crazy with these panel layouts. Right. Like, why not just simplify your panel layout and really focus on how you're cropping. You know, even in a sort of a boring square panel, you can make it interesting if you get the right cropping, the right composition. Yeah. And, you know, and also, you know, being very inspired by the the great drawing of Michael, but also the cartooniness. Yeah. You know, and kind of like the 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 whimsical um, facial expressions on the characters mm -hmm. and how much emotion and how much action and how much feeling I was getting out of these you know, stylized, you know, cartoony drawings that are still a bit also there's something about him that's also realistic. Yeah. And I, I guess it's his mix of cartoony faces, but he also super referenced every M60 and M16s and the and the patches. Yeah. 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 Like he he showed like quite a lot of respect, you know, you know, for the men who were serving and yeah, the the and I think the art direction that he, like his artistic direction in selecting the style he developed for that was really crucial because I mean if you look at the you know what is it the first of the fifth stuff he did in um, Savage Adventures or Savage Tales like so the prequel um, like those three two or three short stories they're they're far more realistic you know they fall they fall closer in line with the you know the Avengers annual kind of vibe or whatever in in his style, 
but choosing to kind of go with this semi-animated quality to the to the the nam work i think it allowed the story to not be as oppressive you know just this whole like grimy war comic it it, it allowed us to kind of like focus on these this kind of character driven story um mm -hmm. which was kind of unique because i think if it was very sort of you know heavy i think we would have had a very different response to the comic and it, you know and it might have been it might have been a big much bigger downer yeah um yeah yeah, it, it is interesting. You know, I mean, it's one of those, it's kind of one of those underrated masterworks that just kind of, you know, it wasn't a part of the the visual lexicon of comic books at the time. Right. Yeah. But so you, it's interesting. So you were talking, one thing that actually stuck out to me when you were talking about looking at that and thinking about the, 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 sort of the, the panel layouts, just to put context into that, this is 1992. Two, so like you are in full, you know, post, you know, or the beginning of image. You're you're in this whole like high point of the comic book mania of X Men, Spider Man, Wildcats, etc., um, which was not restrained. Uh, yeah, I I guess. Had I been maybe younger, you know, I'd probably gone in that direction. Yeah. I mean, I was young then, but, you know, even younger. Say if I was like, instead of being, you know, 22, 23, and if I was maybe more 17, 18. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it's none of that. Like, I, like, I really, like, I have great appreciation for, for, you know, what those guys, all those guys did. Um, and I'll look at Jim and I'm like, like Jim Lee figured out how to like do comic books. You know what I mean? Like, he, like he figured out that way to make perfect superhero comic books. Yeah. And, but I wasn't, I wasn't the person buying the books or looking at the books when he was doing them. I think I own maybe one or two like issues that he did of his comics. And, and it's not that I didn't like it. It just, it wasn't there for me you know like at the last the only guy out of that whole crew that i remember really looking at the books was todd mcfarland but that was like back when he was doing like the hulk like that's what i thought was really kind of fun right um but then like once it sort of became spider-man i hadn't i didn't really have interest into that you know so so i mean yeah i guess that people of our age category like we were just a little too old for that so when everyone's like oh man the you know the gi joe was the greatest i'm like i didn't really watched G.I. Joe. I was just a little too old to sit and watch G.I. Joe, you know, had an after school job. Right, right. Yeah. So, all right. So, you, I mean, so you, like you, I mean, it's interesting like that you, uh, you could, so I mean, because comics weren't really your focus. Like you weren't saying, hey, this is what I'm going to do. Um, like what was your frequency of work? Were you kind of like a couple jobs, you know, like like a few jobs a year or a couple jobs a um, yeah it was pretty sparse yeah you know, I, I did a couple short stories for dark horse an issue of barbed wire uh i did three pages uh in a um a starman issue this is probably like 
to be 95 or 96. Okay. Um, did a little bit of creator owned stuff with Dusty Star. Yeah, right. Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. And then uh, I did a Gen 13 one shot. And when I did that, that's when I felt like I really was a, a, at least more secure in my style. Mm hmm. Um, I think that was uh, 98. Okay. What was the self talk? I mean, like, what was the self talk? Like, I mean, what were you thinking? Like, when you would, like, you would do the, you do the assignment, and then you would, you know, obviously, you would, there would be time for you to look at it, you know, whether you were looking at your copies of it or because you had to make copies and send them off to the editors to go get more gigs or show them at the shows. But, right. like, what was like your self talk in the terms of like walking your way towards what you had inside you? Did you have a vision in your head? Were you coming up short? Like, what was it? Well, uh, sadly, it just had nothing to do with great business decisions. You no, know? no, okay. Um, it, it just, it just, that just wasn't a, a, occurring to me and probably still doesn't. Okay. Um, it was more of like, I'm just, whatever I'm doing, kind of like hopping between comics and, and uh, fantasy art, I'm just trying to learn, you yeah. know, and get better and figure out, you know, I guess constantly trying to figure out who I am, what what do I like about whatever process I'm using at the time, what what's boring, mm -hmm. you know, um, and... And, and again, just trying to make something that at the end of it all, like I just like I'm proud of it or at yeah. least at least get to a place where it's it's not perfect because it never will be. But it, it's at least good enough. Yeah. It was always like I like one of my mottos is like, if at least I could like be done with the page and be like happy with something that was on that page, like because I know like. Cause you just, you start hating it as quick as you can make it, you can make it like, it's just this kind of like, Oh, you know, and you don't have time to fix everything. So you have to kind of just keep moving right. forward. Did you like, so, I mean, like two things that, I, that hearing is one, I, I've, I've, I've got to believe that you're not having to do comic books sort of every day, but being able to go away and do other, other, you know, sort of illustrated projects might have been a really good way for you to explore and then come back to comic books and try a new thing yeah well i mean i will say um after doing so many um painted magic cards you know from i guess 95 to um i guess around 99 mm -hmm. you know once I got the opportunity to be the the regular cover artist for Starman, um, which was a, a big gift from Tony Harris, yeah. Uh, then I kind of had the confidence to like, I was like, oh, I, I know that I can use gouache here. I know that I can use the airbrush here. And I know that I can use acrylics here, and I can glaze. And you know what I mean? I yeah, like I knew all these things I could do. And then when you have a book like Starman. And you can do covers where they can they can be experimental, you yep. know, and you can get away with a lot of um, sort of artsy fartsy stuff as long as yep. you have a nice focal point and have some 
realism here and and of course you know taking reference shots and uh and that kind of really i would say that gig really put me into a different place as far as you know career wise and and people knowing who you are yeah so that is so that kind of that dovetails on the other thing that i was thinking about like how did like how was your like how was your awareness of yourself in in that period of you know in that sort of that mid 90s kind of to the end of the 90s kind of timeline like what were you like were you going to conventions were you spending time with comic book artists were you were you gauging where you were like how you fit into the into the the you know whatever whatever social structure there was within the industry uh you know i didn't really give it as much attention as maybe i should have i mean yeah. maybe it's a good thing but you know it's some importance has to be applied to where you are in any entertainment industry you know like you have to you you do need to strive to have a presence you know have mm -hmm. a, a following um making sure that you're picking the right job you know because yep. you're going to be putting everything you have into it and I, I can't say that i was i was doing that you know yeah. it's it's a, a certainly a, a miscalculation <laughs> at the time yeah but, uh i don't know I, I guess i was still young and dumb and just was i guess content to just do what i was doing and and not take it that seriously yeah because um, i mean because like it's it's clear when like you know when people come in like you know i remember talking with adam 1990 i think it's probably 1990 you know so he was still doing jla at the time and he wasn't he wasn't the king you know what i mean like people were like th there was no crowd around adam's table he was just adam hughes sitting there and you know you would so you, you would talk to him and you you know but i was like this guy's amazing like he's just gonna you know and we would have these wonderful talks and you know geek out about you know norman rockwell or whatever the thing was that we were into and you know but then like but like we were all aware of how amazing Adam was, like everybody outside of Adam. And I, you know, you see, you, you, you know, does he know that, like, you know, did the Beatles know they were the Beatles? You know what I mean? Like, it's right. like you, you have to kind of wonder. So, like, um, but like, there's a thing, like, you do kind of like, because you're gauging yourself with your peers at all times. You're like, oh, like, but that, what's that guy doing? What's, what am I doing? What are, and it's because you kind of want to know where you kind of slide into the, into this. And, where you should like maybe oh i should be asking trying to get jobs like this you know trying to get the star man covers if if you're looking at someone who you're like oh yeah i can do what that person does yeah well did you have that kind of sense did you were you not tuned into like what was going on with the, you know in the visit or just what um I, again like i said i just uh I, I just wasn't, you know, yeah. and, and I, I mean, again, probably, 
my biggest regret is just letting some things go probably because I just didn't believe enough at the time. You know, I, I should have, I should have worked harder on my creator own stuff in, in the nineties, you right. know, in like the, the, the mid to late nineties. And then when things didn't quite pan out the way I wanted them to in that moment, you know, mm -hmm. like I, like I, I, I have a better, not a perfect understanding, but a way better understanding of, of what it takes to have a successful creator own book now that I did then, you know, yeah. and I didn't quite understand the ins and outs and, I'm, and I've had some great, you know, peers, whether writers or artists explain it to me and give me the best information. Um, but it seems like at the time I just didn't know that and things didn't work out that well. I'm not going to blame anybody else. There's just, no, no, right, no. you have to, you really have to, you have to be in for the long haul. And I didn't understand the whole business model of, yeah, you got to give everything you, you can, and you might starve for a bit, but you got to make it to the trade. Yeah. You know, if you don't right. make it to the trade, you, you, not that it's a waste of time, but you're, you're missing out on so much, you yeah. know? Totally. That's the, but, but then, but then once you, you know, I, like I said, I started doing the Starman covers. Um, I'm at Jolly Roger Studio, and then, then all of a sudden you're just a you're just a cover artist, right? Which at the time was awesome. The the rates uh, for painted covers at the time was when I look back now, it's just oh my god, I can't believe that that was the rate. You know, this is late, this is late, this is the end of the '90s, right? Uh, into the nineties and into the early two thousands. Yeah. I mean, the rates were kind of ridiculous at that time there for, I mean, penciling rates and, you know, art rates were just super high. Um, yeah. I mean, even up to like 2010, you know, it was still there. Yeah. Uh, um, and it's easy to like get sidetracked with like, oh, I'm just going to paint pretty pictures for covers you know sure. but meanwhile the the trick is or you tricked yourself because yeah i'm doing that but i'm not uh building anything right you know yeah there's and no you're not, when you're not building anything then you're not your 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 work only has so much mileage like mm -hmm. you do a cover you get that paycheck you sell the cover art you know maybe you make a few prints you know but how many prints are you really going to sell yeah and you know and that's it whereas if you've done as, as i'm sure you know like if you've done enough of a series and there's a trade and and other like collections and stuff you keep on getting royalties and yeah. and that's the that's the smart way to go you yeah know? it's a catalog i mean you, if you build the, the goal is to build a catalog in whatever you do because the yeah. you know the, that's the legacy that's the that's the, all the sort of the pieces that you know sort of build whatever whatever empire you want to have yeah um, yeah and it and it's it's tough i mean it, it's very hard when you're in the middle of it um and i feel like you know back in that in that period i don't think it, it was as you know like you've you just said that you smoked a bunch of you know friends and peers and you know who have, you have sort of 
said their 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 sort of point of view on the on the on the creator owned stuff. But the thing is, is that it wasn't as common back in the you know back in 1996. You know, there weren't people kind of building these these sort of these sort of independent empires or working in the mainstream. You were either outside the mainstream doing your thing or you were inside the mainstream. And it was really it was kind of a weird kind of time where now it seems to be much more this sort of fluid back and forth kind of world, of, yeah. uh, you know, with with both with all the all parties involved. So, um, yeah. And when you're when you're kind of in the middle of it and if you're not like sort of goal oriented, it becomes tough. Yeah. Well, yeah. The, the other the other problem is that if you've gotten used to being on the stage where you've made beautiful covers and painted and you've got to be uh, selfish and spend extra time on it and get everything just right and, mm. you know, cross all the T's and dot all the I's. But then when you try to go to, okay, now draw 22 pages of a comic and and you're still in that mindset of trying to do that yeah panel per panel while life is happening you know babies are being born uh relationships are crumbling yep. you know family members are maybe dying or yeah. ill you have an accident or you drink too much or you know whatever it is sure that's a whole different story and um it, it's why i try to tell you know people getting into the business, you need to figure out if you want to draw comics for a living, you need to figure out how fast can you draw a page and, and do it uh, with quality, with quality that you're not embarrassed right. to put out there on, on the, in the public sphere. And on top of that, if you need to in that style of quality that you're satisfied with, can you do actually actually two to three pages right because if you get on a monthly and shit is going to happen in that month yep and you've got if it's 22 pages there's only you got 22 pages and there's 30 days in the yep. month you have no room to mess up there's so little there's so little leeway and right. the things, and you know and you and i are just right now at the moment just talking about the individual us but think about the fact that like how many how many projects and assignments have you worked on and then you get the inevitable phone call or email whatever it is the communication from the publisher saying hey the timeline's changed or hey the whatever is whatever and next thing you know you need to do two pages a day you need to do three pages a day you need got to you've got to deliver this thing two weeks sooner than it was intended or yeah. whatever um it, it's funny this is so like you know one of the really great things you know in doing the podcast is getting to talk to all you know, to, to wide range of creators and i get to talk to a lot of you know younger and i say younger they're they're still all adults in their 30s but they they seem younger to me um and they're they're doing their thing but like they're running their own show so they're make they're writing their books they're they're creating their own artwork they're publishing their own stuff. They're distributing their own stuff. Like they're doing the whole thing. And, you know, for me, like the whole, the whole thing with the industry was like, you got to be able to do a page a day. That's how you have to be able to be a professional comic book artist. That was the line. And 
I ask these guys, I'm like, oh, how long are you? And they'll respond, oh, yeah, I, I, I get a page done in about four, five hours. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, like, I've, ne I, you know, and that's not, that wasn't in the framework. But like, the model should be just like what you were saying, like, figure out how fast you can get a page done. Right. At, at a quality level that you can live with because because if you do do your own thing you're gonna have to do all the stuff it, you know you don't have a publisher doing your work for you yeah you know or or you know you if you're doing a creator own thing um uh which i'm doing right now slowly but surely and i know that i'm driving the, the writer crazy <laughs> um but you you know you try to to you have to get so many issues done before you even put the first one out right so, yeah uh like we're on issue four right now and we're not even announcing or soliciting yeah uh, i just need to get through issue four um but yeah, yeah you have to take in, in account how much time it's going to take you to do you know each issue and and then you know for some people you know once you get going it get, it does go faster and you get on a roll and uh maybe you you make a fourth quarter adjustment where you're like okay i've really got to as as the artist i've really got to in the planning stage i've really got to plan out some some just simpler pages you yeah. know and uh get to the point where what is enough background you know yeah. and and also you know just cut down the the panel count on pages yeah and may, maybe maybe you lengthen the story out you know may, maybe one issue is actually two issues but mm -hmm. you have to you have to plan it out like you got to have so many pages in your issue that you you know that you can get that page done in at least a couple days you know yeah. Otherwise, it you just it just starts to get. It, it's hard. It weighs. It just starts to weigh heavy on you, and then you have this internal struggle with like. But I've got to do the story right. This right. can't be drawn correctly. But then the other part of you, it's like two voices here and here, yeah. arguing while you're trying to draw, and it's it's your own voices, but they're just saying, "We need the money, but we, the art has to be just right." But yeah. we need money. You need to be on schedule. And yeah. Well, it's compete. You have compete. We have, you know, there's competing interests. You know, there's a, there's an there's the interest of, you know, I've got I've got to make this I've got to make this thing the way that I that I think it needs to be. Like this feeling, you know, like so you're you're chasing this sort of internal feeling of self satisfaction. Um, whether you're chasing an internal or an external thing, you know, because sometimes some people are like, Hey, I'm going to show everyone else I can do this, or I'm trying to prove to myself I can do it. Um, but then, yeah, then, then there's, then there's just that sort of that Frank factor of like, Hey man, just get this stuff done. Just get yeah. this done. Move forward, move forward. Um, do you remember when, like, cause like, I remember like those early times of like going, Oh, I got like, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to like not have to put backgrounds in every single panel. I have to like figure out how to like frame these things better that I'm not putting right. all this stuff into this. Right. Do well, you know? I, I mean, I, I will say this. I think, you know, artists like uh, Sean Gordon Murphy, uh -huh. and, 
Mateo Scalero that they come to mind. Yep. Where they're both like really good. And they're also, I know personally, definitely with Mateo, he's just super fast. Yeah, really. But, it's, but it, it, that makes the style, like the speed of his brushwork and inking and um, the things that he lets go and the thing that he decides is the focal point. He just has it, he's just on point and yeah. just can do it. And those are good examples to look at stuff and like, if you really study it, like, oh, okay, that that hand's a little weird, maybe here or there, but it's not right. really, it doesn't bother you because no. right, on, but on the whole, on the whole, everything is still working in unison. Totally. It's more of a, it's more the feeling, the emotion that I get. Yes. It's given me. Yeah. No, dude, you're, you're so right. And it's like, but you're, but you're the dummy at the drawing table, like, you know, wrestling with that hand or wrestling with the, whatever you're trying to, you know, right. Think. And, nobody's noticing this stuff like they're you know they're like listen you're lucky you're a lucky creator if there is if there are people out there noticing the things that you are struggling over do you see what i'm saying because yeah. most people don't really care they're picking up the whatever thing you made and right. they're there to be entertained yeah and they're not sitting going through it with a fine tooth comb now dumbasses like me or you or whomever who have another level of invested interest into this into this medium or whatever medium is you start looking at it and going like oh how did how did they draw this how did they you know you start looking at it forensically and dude that's a blessing for that creator that you're doing that because that's a that's not the normal yeah yeah but, so like, yeah go ahead but i was gonna say then you know you can look at a book like preacher yeah you know and and uh great story excellent story mm -hmm. and steve dylan's artwork at first there's just areas where it's it's crude yeah. you know it's it's a bit crude and it's but i think in the end as i'm reading the story i realize this was good enough and he right. did it and it came out on time yep and thus it's a success like Totally. I would rather he not labor over every stupid hand and gesture and background, but just get on with it, man, which he did. Yep. And it's this beautiful, almost perfect thing yep. without having to draw everything to be perfect. And it's, per I mean, it, and that's like, that to me, that's, that's a professional, you know, a professional is a person who, you know, knows, Hey, I can see the finish line and I got, I've got to pace myself and get to the finish line. And hey, if I've got a sprint, you know, if someone's catching up, like i.e. the deadline, I know I've got enough, you know, in the tank that I could run, run to the end and get to get this finished. Um, I remember like, yeah, because like, it's like, I remember when John, John Paul first did that huge crossover book he did at Marvel, I'm term blanking the that giant multi thing he did i think dougie braithwaite did artwork for it as well and i mean john just like cranked through that whole his assignment on that on that mm -hmm. book and that's just like you know but that's why he was a you know was great because he just had that like right I know, I know what i need to do i gotta get this done yeah yeah i mean and and here again that's why you know 
all the you know men and women that are making comics and making comics on a on a monthly basis even if all you created was something that's decent i, I just wish everybody could respect that that is still a lot of work oh yeah it's a lot of work and it's it's being on schedule every day and then doing it the next day and then doing it the next week and then doing it the next month and meanwhile you're trying to have you know relationships have some sort of a life sure you know, find some time to breathe maybe get some exercise um, it was it was one of those things i remember i remembered vividly i see you know graduate from art school start working at marvel like right out of the box and i remember like that art school like you know oh yeah i work all night like that was the model you know you're up all night and you're working because that's cool right yeah and i remember i remember being in my studio working at night and then sleeping till you know whatever one o'clock or whatever you slept till and i would i got i remember getting up and realizing like half my friends weren't comic book artists they were normal people and they finished work at, at six o'clock and i'm like that's when i start working so yeah. I, i'm like i've got to change if i don't change i will never see my friends i will just right yeah so it was a super it was like one of those kind of you know simple awarenesses of just going okay i gotta be i gotta be a little bit more of a, a you know a human here yeah i mean we're given a lot of freedom all um, of it but along with that freedom comes like a lot of responsibility for sure it it takes a lot of a lot of discipline yeah and, and it's super hard it's the listen it's the hardest thing to to maintain that discipline when there's nobody breathing down your neck um and we've and listen there's not a single person who hasn't you know failed on that discipline you know that's just yeah. the nature of it nature of the process and and then as you said earlier life because life gets they get a it gets a vote as well and you know we, we have to struggle to pass through that, that stuff um so yeah i mean let's let's hop back let's let's jump up to the uh to the the fifth beetle because i mean i think that's just a phenomenal work um how did that come into play for you like where were you were you at the jungle gym when you got the phone call what was going on uh this started happening 2009 and uh my good friend mark Irwin was um at the time uh, my agent and I'm trying to remember how he was connected. It might have been through a friend of Vivek. Okay. Uh, Vivek, the, the writer. Yeah. And um, then he just started putting things together. And, and, you know, when he proposed it to me, and I just felt like this was it's one of those jobs where all of a sudden i did think wow i could probably win some awards with this you know like okay, so you were thinking you were thinking beyond just the i'll this sounds like a cool assignment i'll do it yeah okay this seemed like something it's the beatles you know yeah which all you know that's it felt like a crossover kind of project and um 
you know, I, I loved what Nelson Kevich did on for the Jimi Hendrix book, uh, Voodoo Child. And totally. And uh, so then it was kind of written as a play at first. Okay. And uh, Mark helped out like to to sort of um, make the transition between like a a a, um, a play to like comic book form. All right. And then we just sort of worked on like how many panels, you know, and here's a page and then here's a page. And uh, we all got that laid out. And uh, and then it was a it was a rough ride. Like, yeah, it. It was supposed to be done like way sooner, but it, it took four years to get it done. And damn. And there again, like, you know. I can see where I, you know, I drove some people crazy, some editors and. Mm -hmm and everybody involved um but once i once you've taken it so far like it, when you have half the book done and yeah. it's it's on that level of of quality or even when you get the first 10 pages done and it's that level of quality like you've established the, oh you've established. crap yeah oh crap like right it's it's going to be so evident if you start doing pages that you don't care about or you don't yeah. put the time in um and uh and, and and it's one of those jobs where and i don't want i don't want the reader to think about this when the reader looks at it but right. there's so much behind just before you even get to laying out the the actual page just the the rough there was just tons and tons and tons of, of research and mm -hmm. and it's it's like okay you drew the beatles but yeah you got to draw the beatles in like every year that we're talking about sure and then yeah. there's also all the other historical stuff you know whether it's uh jfk or it's um uh the uh the original the airport when it was not jfk but idlewild yeah sure right and uh what did the telephone look like they were using then what what right. did the what are the, the Rolls Royce? Yeah, what did the cameras look like in the in the in the studio before they went on te television? Yeah. yeah. Um, what does the outside of the Cavern Club look like at that time? Because it's not even the same. There's still the Cavern Club, but they moved it. <laughs> they so moved the original the the original Cavern Club where Brian Epstein discovers the Beatles. That's not here the same anymore. Location. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're like trying to figure out what the cellar looks like and the entrance looks like and what all the kids are wearing. Right. You know, and so it's like you're, you're creating, I mean, you're creating like, you remember, I mean, do you like those, what were those, like those history comics, you know, when we were kids, like you, like they would just have like, you know, you would get a hand, you, someone would hand you a comic book, like from 1958, you know, or from 64. Yeah. And it was like a history comic. And you're like, well, it's a comic. I'll read it as a kid. But that's what you were, I mean, you were having to be like dutiful, like making a film you know of a period film and you had to be like okay well this is what because otherwise it would have looked ridiculous if they're walking around with the wrong stuff yeah yeah and if you're not going to do it right then you're doing everybody a disservice yeah you know sure. uh, and you know it's like especially if especially with a historical uh piece you really need people to believe in the locations yeah. and, and the fashion and the architecture and 
the technology of the time and yep. and it just it just would go off in so many directions and and also like if i want people when they look at the through the book they can definitely tell even though i kind of found my shorthand of like that's definitely john that's yep. definitely paul uh you know and that you know that's that's ringo and uh, that's george and and that's uh that's brian epstein and then you know the crazy thing was as hard as it was like the biggest the biggest wall to get over was there's this double page party scene at the end of the book mm -hmm. where they're throwing a party and the rolling stones are there the who is there uh um clapton is there I mean, I almost had a breakdown, oh like just gosh. trying to get through that page. And it was like, I get to the studio and just, it, it was it's like, where do I even begin? Sometimes I'll just sit there for like 20, 30 minutes. I'm like, oh my God, what do I do with this party scene? You know, who's where and, and who's interacting with who and right because you want to make it interesting you just don't want to like have to just okay i'll just put a bunch of bodies here and that'll yeah. be that'll yeah. be this guy, that'll be that guy but like what are like yeah what are they doing and what are what is everybody doing in that scene right know? right yeah and and again it's like i didn't have any reference shots of that particular party scene or what right. the 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 location looked like but you're just trying to do your best to find decor and furniture. Did you just swipe from Awesome Powers? Just be honest. Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you did. Well, I mean, and, and that's, I mean, that's the kind of thing, like, since it's a double page thing, it almost falls under that sort of, that illustration category. So like you're sitting there and you're trying to create that composition to move the reader's eye around, you know, into this one sort of piece. And, right. you know, and, you know, so, I mean, you must have been thumbnailing and erasing and <laughs> moving yeah. around all that. Because, because even though that wasn't the last pages, they weren't the last pages of the story, they right. were the last pages that I completed. Oh, like, okay. Like a movie, I, I you're, shooting, to, you're shooting out of order. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, publishers and editors and stuff, they want they just want to see some pages come in, which mm -hmm. it makes sense. So... I would have to leave it. I'm like, I got to get some other pages done that I know what to do. Um, You're Pee Wee Herman, dude. And the, and the, 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 the pet store is burning down and you keep running by the, the cage with all the snakes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm going to deal with that later. I'm going to yeah. deal with that later. Totally. And eventually like, okay, now you have to deal with it. These are the only two pages left. Uh-huh. That's so, that's so, I mean, but I, I honestly, I think that is relatively common for, most every monthly book, you know, you, you, you read the script and you go, okay, these pages are going to be a pain in the butt. Like yeah. you're not going to tackle them off the beginning. Cause that's going to take too much time out of your schedule. Um, and maybe you can make up time, you know, earlier in the schedule by the easy pages. Right. Gene Colan used to, um, used to start like sort of midway through the book on his scripts. So he would start midway through the book. So he's like, he would say like, so by the time I get to the beginning of the book, I'm cooking, you know, that was, you go. that was his response to it. I'm like, well, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. It was a sage, sage advice from a, from a master. Um, 
so what so i mean hey well let's see i i forget all my questions because i get engaged with what you're saying but like crazy question did you get is there, was there any response to the book from any living beetle i had heard through a uh i believe music producer that works with paul um i think i saw him i met him not paul mccartney but the music producer uh at new york comic-con okay and i believe he said that paul saw it and um i guess maybe thought it was pretty good you know i, I don't yeah. i'm not gonna say he was like crazy about it but it seemed like he at least had seen it okay maybe I'll go on a limb and go as far as like I think he gave his approval. Okay. So, All right. Uh, I didn't really, I didn't really hear if Ringo had seen it or if he had any sort of response or. You right. know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's so it's so interesting. I mean, did you uh, did you watch the uh, the documentary the the let let it be was a let it be documentary? Uh, no, no. I mean, I. I think just because of my mental state, I kind of had to just take a break from everything. A decade, a decade break from the Beatles. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, if if you ever want to watch it, you're you're welcome to swing by Asheville anytime, and you can sit down and you can you can hang out and watch the watch it. It's 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 quite good, and I think you know I think having been enmeshed with it as you were, you'll probably really uh, enjoy seeing the more candid life of it of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's, it, it, I mean, it's a phenomenal book. It, it's a phenomenal book. It, it, the, I mean, the subject matter is sainted subject matter. So it, it, like to hear you talk about how much re sort of reverence you had for, for the actual subject is big, you know, cause I, I'm sure, I'm sure there are people who could have, who would have taken the job, but not really cared as much. Um, and, and it could have come out great, but you never, you, you never know. Um, yeah. So I, I'm glad, I'm for one, I'm glad you, I, it, it, the thing is, is like, there's a thing about the way you, you execute your work, which really fits the period of time. Does, if that's, does that sound fair? Like, yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a kind of a, there's a, period quality to the work that you do which feels like it could live in the 60s um you know there's a there's a kind of a groovy aspect to the way you right. draw yeah yeah kind of like a bit jazzy and yeah you know i um, took some inspiration from um 101 dalmatians oh totally that sort that of yeah style of like the characters the way they're mm -hmm. drawn and um and also, you know, some of the backgrounds, yeah, uh, as well as also Sleeping Beauty, you know. Okay. Uh, but but it definitely, one hundred one Dalmatians is way more relevant. I can see the I, the I can see the, uh, the the guy's clothing, you know, and the way he the way his his trousers fit, you know, in my mind from one hundred one Dalmatians, and mm -hmm. I can kind of. You know, even though those suits that they had were much tighter in the legs, uh, right. but I can, but I can, you know, I get that. That's cool. That's a really great. That's a great sort of way to pull from that 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 vibe in there. And definitely, like I, you know, I, I got a lot. I was going to say with our previous conversation about 
you know, how you're learning your language of, you know, we're dealing with like line art. Yeah. You know, what, how are you going to, to, um, draw the hand and, and draw fingernails or knuckles or this or that, you know, I felt like I really, once, once I really started enjoying drawing hands in a language that makes sense within the limits of pen and ink, mm -hmm. you know, it was, it was certainly studying, uh, what Jamie Hewlett was doing. Yeah. yeah. But then he's obviously, you know, influenced by a lot of the, the mad magazine artists, you know, yep. Mort Drucker and, um, uh, Jack Davis. Yeah. And so I, I was looking at those guys too. But then also, like, if you look at uh, those, like, 60s um, Disney animated features, like Sword in the Stone, mm -hmm. um, probably that one, Jungle Book, uh, again, 101 Dalmatians. There's a scale. Uh, like, there's a certain scale to the human figure in those, in those, in those, those animated uh, pieces. It's just really interesting. Like yeah. everything's just a little bit slimmer, except for like the hands and the head and the ears. Yeah. And the, like everything else is slimmed down. Yeah. But I was going to say, if, if you look at like frame by frame, if you look at uh, Merlin from The Sword and the Stone mm -hmm. and the way his hands are drawn, they're very realistic. Yeah. And, but just the choices that are made with the, the fingernails and the knuckles the joints uh mm -hmm. yeah huge huge inspiration on my on my work yeah now that i it, that stuff or that's not not, not inspiration I, i'd say huge influence yeah right yeah that's cool yeah i mean it's amazing it's amazing how those animation how disney especially like has these periods of style which really just you know you can kind of like look at this sort of 10-year chunk and go wow like look what they were doing here and then you go into the well, then you go into the '90s and you look and you say, "Wow, look what they were doing here!" You know, and there's just these amazing, right. you know, like you know, you look at Glenn Keane's work on stuff and you go, "Wow, you know, uh, unbelievable stuff." But it it doesn't look like that stuff that you know from the Sword and the Sorcerer. Like it's very different stylistically. But um, yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. Um, yeah, and then the Mad Magazine stuff. I totally get that. Like that's a really like I remember. And of talking with you know Dan Penocean, like how he sort of has this very mad magazine approach to how he's doing comics now. And it's just it's beautiful because it's really kinetic. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, he's he's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that I like on top of just the great drawing, it just looks like he's having a lot of fun. Absolutely. Because you know, like, whether it's the, yeah. the loose inks and line work. Yeah. it's still defining shape and form and and um again very naturalistic you know, yeah that way. like we were talking about like you were mentioning hatching like you know like with mobius and how like you know we you think about it, but like i you know you look at dan and he's just doing lightning bolt you know for the hatching and yeah. it's it's so elegant yeah and yeah. i think the the speed and pace at which he's inking is making the style. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't overthink and like go slow because it's going to ruin it. You have to like move fast and giving it an energy and. Right. It's, I mean, it's like he's, what he's doing is he's, he is 
he's not allowing himself to to overthink it and like we were talking about like mentioning about the idea of like overworking a sketch like he is attacking the underdrawing with the same sort of speed in you know in, in you know inspiration yeah. and i think that's why it's it comes through it looks like it and and like you were saying you know like he's willing to, he's willing to let things go because he's like i'm fine with like how the overall feel looks and i think that's that's a, it's it's something we could all like you know learn from in the yeah. terms of like approach not style yeah. approach but just how you approach the works that you make um i mean do you feel that you're getting do you feel that you're getting looser uh do you feel that you're getting yeah. well yeah i'm certainly inspired by yeah people like uh dan panosian um, don't say that too loud because if he hears that then it's going to be a problem yeah god forbid his head get any bigger no no there's there's not enough there's not enough space to hold that head and that hair uh yeah but also looking at people like um uh Let's see, Zabino. Okay, uh, yeah, 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 yep. Gerardo, Gerardo. Gerardo. Gerardo Zabino. Okay. And yeah, what he's doing with like inking and very bold um, shadows and lighting. Uh, and again, going back to uh, Sean Gordon Murphy. Totally. And, and definitely Matteo Scalero, you know. Yeah. I guess seeing people, especially with Matteo, where it's he's going beyond line art. I feel like he's inking as if he's a painter. Yeah. yeah. So he's he's really instead of just drawing a line, he's defining a form. Yeah, I get that. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's that's definitely what that's what Mignola was doing. You know, back in the early '90s. But mm -hmm. but yet it was still it was so controlled, yeah. Where now you got guys kind of taking some of those, um, uh, those the the aspects of his heavy use of black and shadow, mm -hmm. but they're doing it just a little more painterly and looser. And have you? I mean, I'm sure you know his stuff. I've he actually doesn't live too far away from me, but uh, Jeffrey Allen Love. So. Uh, you know, sadly, I don't think I'm familiar. I definitely Jeff, Jeffrey Allen Love. I'll, I'll, yeah, check his stuff out, man, because it's um, it's like I'm trying to. I'm really bad at framing. You think I would be able to do this after three years? Right? <laughs> it's it's all it's so textural, and it's like he's like. It, Is it like Sergio Topi? Kind of, yeah. It's really, it's really beautiful stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll send you some links to his stuff so you can take a look. But um, yeah, it's just I, 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 I just dig like the, the breadth. Like you know, you were saying how you were inspired by European comics early, you know, early on, like when you're in school, and that's a wonderful thing about art school is you kind of get your, you can kind of get your, your manga or your European comic book on, and you're like, what is this stuff? But um, you know, now that we have like this, this huge kind of avenue of style coming into you know coming through the industry it's really exciting because you can see all these people who are blowing like mateo you know you're like whoa like 20 years ago that guy would have had a hard time you know because right. they wouldn't know what to do with them yeah and you know like you know growing up in the 
you know, seventies and eighties, there seemed like there was just only room for so many styles. Sure. A lot of it was just like regurgitated of what other people were doing, but yeah, like, you're right. I mean, these days it's so wide open. Yeah. Like Chaikin felt like wild, like wildlands, you know, you're like that guy's on the edge, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, and you know, it, he was, but it, like in retrospect, it's, you know, not crazy. It's beautiful, you know, but, uh, yeah, but like now it's just like there's just this it's amazing you know you you it's almost hard to it's almost too hard to select stuff you know when you walk right. into a store you're like there's just too many good options visually yeah. just look at uh, yeah but you're so you feel you're kind of like loosening up you're kind of like are you like what do you what do you feel you're wrestling with uh wrestling with probably time management and nice nice uh drawing faster you know? yeah right do you i mean like are are you like what's your like what is your usage of photo reference like i mean is it a, is it a lot are you you know do you have to use a lot are you are you uh i mean usually if i can get away with none then it'll be none yeah and that's that's what i usually tell you know younger artists i was like well draw as much as you can out of your head yeah and as long as you believe in it when you put it down and you're like okay that's not totally realistic but yet i still believe in it it's like that 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 works for me but when you get to like say like the the from behind the back like over the shoulder uh -huh. what's going on with the side of the face yeah you know that's always a tough one and you know it looks it always jumps out at me when when the artist has it so way off or I'm way off. Sure. And that's when, you know, you need to like either find a reference online or, you know, get somebody to maybe or even like hold your camera back here and, you know, yeah. Trying to figure out like, do I see any part of my nose from this angle? You know, what's going on what's going on with the ear? The yeah. Ear's very complicated. Oh, it's super complicated. And there's a whole ton of space behind the ear that we rarely see. Yeah. Um, and that, and the nose drop off is pretty quick. Like it, it doesn't take much of a, of a shift and all of a sudden it's gone. Right. Yeah. Like, and like, you know, how much of the eye do you see is just, is it right. just eyelashes? You know, what, what are the brow do you see? Yeah. The, the side of the mouth, like lips and. Yep. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I, I mean, you could, you know, we, yeah. I mean, there's that whole thing of like, you know, the young artist is always kind of pulling the furthest part of the face closer to, to the, you know, to the eye. It's just because you're trying to see what's there versus right. letting it kind of fall away, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's, I, I did. Uh, I did make a post on uh, Instagram, probably, I guess, before the summer, um, and I'd done a, a cover for um, Allegiance uh, called uh, a book called Bass Reeves, which is a, okay. another historical figure and i i showed like a sequence of photos to show like the actual painted cover but then mm -hmm. i also included my reference shots of a friend who had come over you know and um used like i didn't have a gun prop but i had something for him to hold like a gun yeah and then had a nice long coat you know for like a duster and getting setting up my lighting you know that i wanted 
and just showing like how, you know, sometimes if I use photo reference, like this is how I set it up and, you know, and then I show you how I used it compared to the actual, the actual photo ref. Yeah. That's, you know, listen, man, like it, it's, I, I think we all, we all, you know, artists all love seeing the process, you know, like whenever you're, you were learning, like you were talking about Frazetta, you know, getting your hands on those Frazetta books where they would show the photographs or his sketches and any, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, it's, I mean, if you're into music, it's like getting to hear the demos, you know, like it's that kind of stuff. You're like, oh, this is great. <laughs> you know, because mm -hmm. I think it helps, it helps us see the stages and steps that are necessary to get right. to the thing that we, because that finished piece isn't what happens immediately. Right. You know, you well, have to, you know. yeah. And, and I, and what, what you're trying to do, or at least I'm trying to do by sharing that, is you're helping younger artists keep from getting so frustrated they just give up They're like right. i'll never be that realistic i'll never be that good yep. it's like well you probably could be if you just understood the different ingredients you need for that recipe of what what kind of look you're going for yeah you know like every artist that you're looking at that's like super realistic well there there's a reason why they're able to get that realistic you know yeah and it's it's a they've they've done a lot of life drawing or life painting and then b when needed uh they they had a model come over and they set up a shot just so and they had props and they had the folds in in the cape and you yeah know, and, and in the costume and and then they're then they've also had photo reference of like a mountain you know some yeah. crazy mountain peak sure in the background, you know and it's, and, and it's like yeah, it's this recipe of different ingredients and if you know sure. the ingredients yeah and it's and and like and we're living in a bountiful period where this stuff is so much easier to incorporate into your work than it ever was so mm -hmm. the tools have made it you know almost a no-brainer you're like okay yeah you can you can really kind of create the composition you need with all the sort of assets you want and you know you can print that thing out and use it as, as your underdrawing if you're working on a board i mean it really yeah, exactly. is it's you know it's it's a it's an embarrassment of riches in that respect you don't need that 12 by 12 polaroid camera anymore um i don't know if can you get that film anymore i wonder uh i'm sure it's getting harder and harder to obtain but i think so yeah yeah um so you're cranking along on this next thing oh by the way scumbag uh dude it was great it was it was a total blast to read um number your your net so somebody else did the color did somebody else do the colors on your section uh yes yeah yes. okay i want yeah because the colorist really did a wonderful job throughout yeah. the sections kind of supporting the artists you know yeah yeah oh, he, did, he did a wonderful job yeah but yeah i mean love so i mean the 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 camera shots the movement the movement of the camera really really wonderful like if you know if you're checking this out right now and you haven't seen the scumbag go get volume one and read it um andrew did the uh, second issue and it is it's great it's really really and the whole thing is great there's some mm -hmm. phenomenal art in that whole book so, yeah and i believe i've got variant covers for issue one and two. Oh, cool awesome yeah yeah, it's 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 cool stuff. So your your super secret project, you're in issue four. How many issues total? Do you know the book? 
Uh, at this point, we're not sure. You okay. know, I think <laughs> it's one of those things where, you know, if I've learned anything, it's that the story is key. Like you can yeah. draw and paint as beautifully as you like, but if you don't have an interesting story, you don't have anything. You know, yeah. you just, as they say, you just got a polished turd, you know. Right. Uh, and totally. Yeah, so the, the, the writer and I, we're just doing our best to, to tell the most interesting, story. compelling story, you know, that's that's rich and um, uh, that has, you know, some action and, and thrills, but also character development and backstory. Yeah. And Yeah, it, it's... <sighs> You know, it's so, it's so funny when you're young, like you don't, you don't really respect the story as much as you should. <clears throat> and, you know, it, it's, a it's, and it, the funny thing is, as a visual storyteller, I think we kind of take the story for granted. You know, we just kind of can tell a story. Right. Uh, but there are so many pieces that go into making a great story and working and developing like it's a it's it sounds like a great luxury that you're able to work with this writer and you know develop the story together um to be able to get something that you're both really excited to you know produce but uh, yeah i think that's the beauty of of you know independent comics and, and when you're building new uh your own myth and your own rules, you know, and who these characters are when you're starting fresh, you know, the writer might've written something, but then as myself, the artist, like as I'm doing character designs and as, you know, you're developing what this technology might look like or where they live or what they're driving, you know, mm -hmm. you have more time to really, really think about these characters. Yeah. You know, and it's almost like as you're drawing and you're giving them a space where they live, that's also defining who they are, mm -hmm. you know, and their house, you know, what's it like, you know, what, sure. what kind of art do they have? You know, do they drink coffee? You know, all, all these things start to build who the characters are. And yep, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've been uh, writing novels in the last few years and it is an amazing challenge to, that world building, you know, regardless of whether it's, you know, with words or with pictures, I mean, it's, it's crucial. It, it's what connects us as the reader or viewer to these characters and how we can cross pollinate our experiences with theirs. And so deciding, you know, making all those decisions are super, super important to the, to what the end product delivers to the reader or viewer mm -hmm. yeah um yeah so are you writing i mean are you have any plans of writing something and doing your own thing or writing something for someone else uh I, i'll be writing after i finish this yes. project cool yeah. yeah something brand new or are you bringing something back or um i'm gonna try to uh kind of bring at least one dusty star story right on all together into conclusion nice and then i've got some other projects that i want to work on uh um i like dabbled with a little project called the space junkies which is your handle you know, rock band in space 
you know, yeah. a little bit of like like Josie and the Pussycats, and uh -huh. um, and so I might not, I might like to see that go further and uh, go somewhere, and and yeah, there's you know, so the the seeds, the very small seeds of my novel series goes all the way back to a some a, a comic strip and comic pages I did while in art school like they were they they that was the sort of the germinating you know elements that over the years got layered in with other ideas and there's something about being able to go back and grab these things that you sort of created out of this sort of like maybe not very thoughtful <laughs> way but it was a very passionate way right. of creating and be able to go back with a little bit more um craft in your hand you know at, at hand to be able to do things with them that you really can you can connect to that right you know, younger version of yourself and really kind of utilize that energy and apply it to your you know the work that you have now so yeah and i you know and as we get older at least for me i think if nothing else, I I have a little more understanding about what works and what doesn't. Yeah. And so and and I'm able to dissect a little more and understand, you know, why is mm -hmm. the why. If you can understand the why of a scene, say in a scene in a movie, and you watch this scene, you're like, uh, that didn't tell a story. Right. Uh, that yeah. was boring. Why was that even there? Yep. You know, if you can understand why it didn't work, or if you look at another scene and you're like, wow, that that was just such an amazing scene. And but if you can dissect it and figure out like, oh, that's why it works. And like one of the coolest things that I learned, and I it's from um uh, uh Scott McKee's book called Story. Mm-hmm. Sure. Or wait, no, excuse me, Robert talking, McKee. It's Robert I'm, McKee. It's Robert McKee. Yeah. Um, where he was just describing that in, in any scene, if there's a scene with two people and the scene starts where they're arguing, he, and he was just saying in basic terms, if you end the scene and they're still arguing, then you didn't do anything. Right. Like we didn't get anywhere. He's like, but if they're arguing and then at the end of the scene, they've come together and have an understanding, then you, you, you're telling a story yeah. or vice versa. If it's, you know, he, he's talking about like negative and positive approaches or positive and negatives, but you need, you need that, that charge and it has to change from one to the other. Otherwise you're, you're not, you're not really telling the story. Yeah, you and then, need, and then you can you can apply that if you if you watch, if you watch a show or a movie that works, if you just study each scene mm -hmm. and apply those principles, you're like, oh wow, he's right. Yeah, pretty much every scene it starts either one way and then ends the other, and vice versa, and then you can you can apply it to things that don't work. You're like, oh, they're just rambling about some nonsense, right. but nothing nothing changes. Yeah, you know. Well, that's the thing. I mean, like, you know, in your scenes, I mean, the characters in your scenes, they all want something. 
you know, they they have they have they have their own desires and wants. So people don't don't have a conflict and argument because they they agree. <laughs> you know, they each have a different want, and those wants are conflicting. So we you know there needs to be some you know strive towards resolution. Or in the terms of the negative, something happens, but it doesn't go right. It goes wrong, and that kicks off another chain of events. Well, that going wrong isn't it isn't solving the plot problem of the book, but it's part of the story and it leads the characters in, in you know, in a, in a, in a new direction or something's going to happen. Right. And it will, it will, you know, these are, you know, these are important things. You know, those are negatives. Like that's a negative. They failed, you know, failure is a negative, but it's necessary in the process of, of you know, getting to the solution. Because if the, the book starts, I was like, Oh my God, we've got this huge problem. Someone goes like, well, why don't we do this? And they go, that did it. We're done. That's not a book. You know, that's that's a, that's one that's one chapter. So you have to really have that conflict resolution, try fail, all that stuff has to happen. Yeah, it's fun, right? Story structure and figuring out is like it's exciting stuff, you know. Um, and again, like I say, I'm I'm by no means an expert. Yeah, but if nothing else, I just notice like, hey. You're learning a little bit here and a little yeah. bit here, and trying but, to put the pieces together. And and I think I, I think artists have a very good like understanding because you are doing this visual storytelling all the time. Yeah, I mean, in a in a perfect world, if when you're younger, if you knew ahead of time that you're going to actually work in the comic book field, like you should also study if not maybe major in literature or yeah. uh if nothing else at least like maybe film history or right and minor and small some sort of some sort of film class or actually yeah. you know your your elective should be some sort of class where you you actually make a short film right you know yeah and then take a minor and definitely take a lot of classes in small small business management yeah that's that's kind of important too. Um, all right, man. You cool? Was this good? Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, I'm cool. <laughs> nice, dude. Uh, all right. Um, I guess it. I guess it worked. We actually had stuff to talk about. The whole thing. The whole thing worked. Yeah, we had something. Who knew? Who knew? Two two comic book people would be interested in talking about comics and and creating stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Andrew, man, thank you so much for joining. Um, it was great to have you. I, it's funny, you know, I went around and I got a lot of people wanting to, you know, come on the podcast and everyone writes down their, their email and you're the only person who's ever given me their phone number. And I was like, and I was saying to my wife before I contacted you, I was like, it's so interesting. He gave me his phone number. She goes, well, he wants you to call him. <laughs> like, I'm like, I think I'll text him. I don't think I'm going to go so yeah. far as to call him. Um, I miss the nineties. I miss the phone calls. Like you're on the phone all day while you're drawing. I yeah. I don't know. I don't know if, is it still like that for you? Uh, on the phone? Yeah. Uh, you know, not so much. It's like, well, now that I'm a bit older, like I'm getting more into just phone calls with family and. Okay. And, and I mean, I guess, I guess I find that like some of my best friends are in my family. So. Yeah. But yeah, just trying to get connected and just have a, a nice phone call and because yeah, like so much is is either is just a quick little text and yeah, you know, which is fine, you know. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, no, I, it's, that's, listen, that's one of the real, the real driving forces for me is I get to have really meaningful conversations with people, you know, every week, you know, like getting to kind of dive in and just kind of work our way through, you know, experiences and ideas and feelings and these right. stuff. So, um, yeah. All right. Well, we'll let's wrap, let's wrap it up for people. Cause you know, they don't need to hear us get all weepy. Yeah. Shit. So, um, everyone thanks we'll uh, join next week and uh andrew yeah go find andrew at space junkies yeah. that's it's at the bottom but i'll put it it's in the doobly-doo you'll find it yeah, just scroll in there. Thank you. he's he's the man all right